Welcome back to Butterless Popcorn. I'm Brett Dworsky. I'm Adam Ottenheimer. And we're talking about The Prestige. Oh man, what a film. I love this movie. This is a, I, I think this is a top five for me. I'm going to go out You've and say it, actually. You've mentioned that before. Yeah. And it's, it's not one that people really think about, I don't think, especially when you talk about Chris Nolan. Yeah, it gets hidden among the Batmans and Inceptions of Nolan's filmography. But it's just as much of a mindfuck as any other one. Memento, and, I mean, Memento's it's, really good. it's just, just like one of those. It's, it's a beauty. It's a work of art. Yeah, this movie came out in 2006, written by Chris Nolan and his brother, Jonathan Nolan. No way. They co-wrote the script together, yeah. Is he like his second-hand man in all this stuff? I, that... I'm not really sure, to be honest. I don't know how involved Jonathan Nolan has been in the arc of his brother's career. Yeah, I wonder if it's just one of those, like, I'll throw you a bone, buddy. Like, I'll just put your name on this it thing. May, and it then... may have been. Yeah. Um, based off the novel The Prestige by a guy named Christopher Priest. Uh, I found that out recently that it was an adapted screenplay. Um, the film is about rival stage magicians in London at the end of the 19th century who start off as assistants to another magician at first, and then stuff happens and they become rivals, and they both do whatever they can to beat the other. Christian Bell, Hugh Jackman, Michael Kine, Michael Kine. ScarJo. What a cast. Yeah, re- really well casted. Um, everyone just does their job really well. In oh, this movie. Bill Belichick, baby, it, do your job. Exactly. Christopher Nolan is Belichick standing on the sidelines with his arm crossed. Saying, yeah, right? Yes. But no one no one really outshines one or tries to outshine one another from an acting perspective, even though that's kind of what the movie's about. So I think it's a, a job well done to everyone in the film. Yeah, I agree. And it's... I personally haven't seen many movies about magicians. I would say it's my favorite film about magicians. Yeah, I agree. Well, it's kind of hard to sell the movie to someone. I was trying to sell this to Caitlin to go to watch it with me last night. And I was like, yeah, I mean, okay, before I start, it's not about it's not really a magic movie. Right. But it is about magicians. And I think that's kind of like a tough like a lot of people turn off there. But then when you start naming the cast, you can start to get on board with it. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, something really cool about the movie is it shines a, a light on like class differences, too, in London. And that's something I guess I didn't really notice before I rewatched it for this pod. Like, Bale is kind of the, the lower class, blue collar, working man type. Whereas Hugh Jackman seems like he's higher up on the social class. Yeah, really wealthy, not afraid to spend the money type of guy. Right. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool how the, how Nolan does that in the movie too. There's a lot of uh, – this is one of those movies where as you watch it, you pick up something new every time. Yeah. Especially because you know what twists are coming, so you kind of pick up on some of the dialogue and, and some of the writing that was in there. But uh, the amount of symbolism that is shown throughout the film, once you actually know what's going on, is actually pretty incredible and really well done by Nolan. Agreed. Should we get into some categories? Let's do it. First category here is the scene that gives you chills. I think we, uh, we've we called this one the car chase scene in, in past. It's so officially the car chase it, scene. It gets your, it gets your blood uh, pumping, your heart beating. Brett, what, what are your nominees here? So I only have two nominees. Um, the first one is Julia's death, Hugh Jackman's wife, uh, in the beginning of the movie when she dies. And obviously, even if it's your first time watching this movie, I feel like you know it's coming in this scene too. Because in one of the first scenes of The Prestige, they're doing the trick on stage where she's tied up, she gets dunked into a tank of water, and she unties herself. And you see Michael Caine grab Grab the the axe. Yeah, I love that. And she does it. And he's looking at the watch. They do it again. 
and they've already discussed the type of knots that need to be tied so mm-hmm. she can get out. So you kind of know it's coming. When you see that look that uh, Borden, Christian Bell's character, gives Julia, that it's kind of like the nod of approval, like, yes, this knot will work, we'll do it, and then you you kind of pause for a second. Right. So knowing, I knew it was going to happen, but I couldn't help it. My heart was pounding the moments before. Oh, every time. They, uh, put, a, they put a curtain around it, too. They really build the suspense. It's... Yeah. I feel it. And my second one and my ultimate winner is when Hugh Jackman is describing the first time he saw Bale's transporting man trick. Uh, Because leading up to it, in the beginning of the movie, Bale keeps talking about, I have this trick that's going to change the world. I have this trick that's going to make me the greatest magician of all time. And you're kind of thinking, like, what is this? Right. And then Hugh Jackman is back with... I don't remember if Julia was dead by now and if he was with Scarlett Johansson's with Olivia by then. He was with Olivia. But he comes home and he's sitting there and he's like, I went and saw Borden. And she's like, what's going on? He's like, he, he had a new trick. And she's like, what was it? And he, he like, the, I don't know, the combination of the score of the film at this moment and then him describing it, he just goes, it was the greatest magic trick I've ever seen. Yes, that and does give me chills. Yeah, yeah. I, exactly. And then it shows it and it's and like the, the score stops and there's no music and it shows the trick and it's like that and it's like super quick right and And that's when you can really feel the obsession that he has i think for the first time in the movie on how bad it really is right yeah oh that's a that's a good one that's my that's my chill scene how about you what were your your nominees Uh, i have two as well and and neither of them are the ones that you just mentioned nice uh one of them is when angier is up in uh tesla's compound he's walking away frustrated because the machine apparently doesn't work and he sees the cats and all of the top hats sitting outside in that one area and he discovers that this machine does work just not the way it's intended to which tesla does mention so i just i just get the chills when you see all the hats and cats out there it's that's a really good one that's that's a big light bulb moment for him too right he's walking out and you hear all the cats meowing and then all the hats it's like, oh, they're just being transported to another location, but and, they're cloning. And he's going for it. He's going for it. The second one I have is my ultimate winner. It's when Angier is getting ready for, this is shortly after, he's getting ready for his, his final show, and they have the meeting with the booking agent. And it's also kind of a quote, too, but the machine, you know, he Angier disappears, and the booking agent goes, well, that's it. He can't just disappear. There needs to be... And then, like, in the back, like, Angier goes, a prestige. <laughs> and it's like, I get chills every time because he, he t- like, everyone turns around and you're like, holy fuck. Yeah, he's there. <laughs> How he's did right he there. do it? So it was just, it's really good writing and dialogue, but um, it's just, it shows that's what's about to happen. He's about to basically kill himself a hundred times. But yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. So that's your winner? That's my winner right there. Awesome. And then moving on. Biggest mindfuck scene. There are a lot of twists and turns in this movie, I, I, as Christopher Nolan does. But this movie has a lot of twists and turns from the beginning, from the get-go. So what are what are some of your nominees for the biggest the biggest win the world? I, there's wins? there are there are too many, but I, I narrowed it down to two. One of them was uh, Lord Caldlow showing up. Borden's in his in prison. He sees his daughter. He's and then he. The camera does such is such great cinematography, but it moves up as he looks up from his daughter to look at Lord Caldlow for the first time and realizes it's Robert Angier 
and it's just uh, what a mind fuck because the whole time you're hearing about this lord caldo guy that's so interested in these these pieces this magic and then you finally see that it's been hugh jackman's character the whole time that just fucks with my head that was on my that was on my list too that's actually my winner but the, the other one i had was when ben pretty shortly after borden comes to go kill and shoot angier yeah downstairs in the basement where he's actually hiding all of his dead bodies and everything but um that's when you really see that's when you discover fallon is actually borden borden is fallon it's it's remarkable that was mine that my ultimate winner too just because it, it's the end of the movie and everything is unraveling before your eyes and you're finally seeing what is happening because borden is really mysterious throughout the whole movie a bit more than than angier is um and I remember the first time I ever saw this movie, I was blown away when I found out Fallon was Borden and Borden was Fallon. Mm-hmm. They were they were twin brothers. And now rewatching it, of course, I'm like, oh, Fallon, that looks like Christian Bale with, with a wig and makeup on. Yeah. But because they rarely show Fallon's face in the movie and the cinema, with the cinematography, they do such a great job at concealing him and making him, a you know, putting him to the side a little bit. And you're like, who is this guy the whole movie? I remember being blown away when I saw that for the first time. Well, they also make it so any any scene between Borden and Fallon, Borden is telling Fallon what to do. He's he's bossing him around kind of as if Fallon is just an assistant. And right. so you you would have no way of thinking that oh shit, they're they're talking to their twin brother. I mean, it's just that's not how you would expect a dynamic to be. So they really play it out and that kind of goes into like living your act, which most of these guys do and you know, it goes back to the to the to the Asian uh, magician that they went to go see, and who was kind of living his own act earlier in the movie. But yeah. um, the dedication that they have to it, it really contributes to the to the mindfuck. It does, and it unfortunately takes over their entire lives. Absolutely. Um, so I had those two, and I also had one more, even though the ending was my 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 winner. I had when uh, Angier is reading Borden's diary, and he finds out that he was set up by Olivia and Borden. Yeah, with the diary, and so he's wasted all this time trying to decipher the code in the diary and figuring out Borden's tricks when Borden and Olivia set him up to steal that diary. Yep. So he writes in it, "Yes, you, 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 Robert. I knew you'd be reading this." That blows me away. But then too. it flips the other way, and right. Borden's reading it in his cell, and he says, "Yes, you, Borden." Right. Oh fuck. <laughs> no, the, both of those scenes. The, obviously, the first one caught me off guard more. Obviously. Yep. But. I love both of those. But, yeah, the biggest mindfuck for me is the end. In agreement. Yep. Great. So best overall scene, then. What do you what do you got here for nominees? Yeah, so I have two. And ironically, we've already talked about both of them. Uh, the final scene, when Borden shoots Angier and unravels the story. And then the first transporting man. I nice. love it. I nice. love it. So those are my two. And I went with the final scene. So I have two as well. And one of them is one we already touched on. It was the one where... <laughs> Um, Jackman interrupts and goes up prestige. Nice. Like I yep. still love that one. And then the other one actually was um, the scene where Angier takes the bow under the stage for the first time. And you realize that it's not enough for him. And he's just visibly uncomfortable with Root taking the bow and taking all of the fame above the stage. And it, it, it sets up his obsession with wanting to do more. And that trick was not enough for him. So, um, I think that's actually my winner, is especially when I had seen the movie before, and then when I was watching it again and realizing how it ultimately does end up unfolding. 
that was a pivotal scene for me. That's a really good one. I actually didn't think about that till now. But um, yeah, like he's achieved the goal. Yeah. He did the trick better than Borden, but it's not enough. Not he's got to be. He's got to be the guy at the end. He's got to be the prestige. So, so good. Segwaying on to best quote, I I think there is a clear cut winner for this, but we'll we'll just wow. we'll just go through. Um, what what do you, what are some nominees for best quote of this movie? Um, I have I have three. First one, Sarah, secrets are my life. Our life. Our life. <laughs> yeah. That's when he's an absolute dick yes. in the restaurant. He's a douche. Shows up pissed drunk. Yeah. He's like, I had something a little bit, you know, almost taken away from me. So I thought I was just wanting to celebrate a little bit. So that's the first one. Second one was, I don't care about my wife. I care about his secret. It's when, uh, Ju- uh, sorry, not Julia... Uh, or is that what Scarlett Johansson's character? She's Olivia. Olivia, sorry, yeah. Olivia goes to tell uh, or provide the the diary to Angier, and Olivia he says, you know, this will not bring your wife back. And he says, he basically says, I don't give a shit. It's all about this trick. Right. That one's dark, but I like it. And then the last one, which I'm interested to see if, if you have it on your list, is I, I once told you about a sailor who described to me what it felt like drowning. And Angia goes, yeah, you said it was like going home. And Cutter says, I was lying. He said, it was agony. And that sums up the whole movie right there. It does. I'm just leave it right. So I, do you have that one on your list? I'm, I'm happy to say I don't have any, any of, of them. Those. Oh, any of them. Oh, shit. I okay. Have, I don't have any of them. Buckle up. Let's go. What yeah, do you got? I, I don't have any of them. So uh, my first one is when Sarah and Borden are talking about their relationship and she says, this quote's from her, Borden says, I love you. And she goes, well, some days it's not true. Maybe today you're more in love with magic. I like being able to tell the difference. It makes the days when it is true mean something. Mm-hmm. That's really good. And then you find out at the end what that means. Well, and then also, uh, I caught this one only when I watched it last night, but she flips on that statement towards the end where she says, the days where I realize or the not knowing when you're actually going to love me makes it more difficult and makes it more hurtful when you don't love me. And so like there it flips like kind of shortly before she kills herself. But Her yeah, story is one. tragic. I know she goes through hell the whole movie. He's a, he's a complete dick to her. Yes, he is. <laughs> well, Ex- they both, one of them, one is. of, one of, one of them yeah. adores her and the other one doesn't care about her. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great quote. Yeah. I um, like I had I had a Tesla David Bowie quote. Nice. One that I just thought was kind of funny. It's in the scene when Angier finally meets him and they're sitting out on their back deck talking about building the machine. And Angier, or, and Tesla goes, nothing is impossible, Mr. Angier. What you want is simply expensive. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty but good. But have you considered the cost? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The cost. <laughs> yeah. Really good. Uh, I had and which I already spoke about at the first transporting man scene when he sees it, he had a new trick. Was it good? It was the greatest magic trick I've ever seen. Yeah. I he, like that. He's like at a loss for words and shortness exactly. of breath when he says that's it. That's why right? I love yeah, it. That's good. But ultimately my winner, uh, which, and it's, and it's said twice, it's the opening monologue of the movie yeah. and the closing monologue of the movie is Cutter's huge monologue about magic tricks with the pledge, or no, first the... Yeah, the mm-hmm. pledge and then the turn and then the prestige. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't need to read the whole thing because it's like over a paragraph long, but I'll read the part that I love the most, and it's also the final quote of the scene. 
Now you're looking for the secret, but you won't find it because of course you're not really looking. You don't really want to know. You want to be fooled. It's so good. So And then good. at the end they show they show Angia's yeah. dead body drowned. The, the in last that. shot of yeah. the movie is spectacular because it's all the all the bodies in the tanks around. God, Michael Caine makes this film. I mean He's he, really good in this really, movie. So good. This is probably not to get too off track with Michael Caine here, but has he ever had this large of a role where he's like I feel like he's the kind of the, one of the he's like a focal point. He's like the fulcrum of the of the two magicians. He really here. is, yeah. I'm I'm not quite sure. I'm I, I'm not well versed on Michael Caine's filmography because he's been around for a long, long time. Right. But um, at least with the Christopher Nolan films that he's done, this that's is, a, yeah. This is the biggest one for yeah. sure. Oh, I love it. He's Pretty so, great. That's I, I can't I can't dispute that quote. That's that is a runaway number it. one there. So Adam, tell me, when all was said and done, who's the better magician, Alfred or Robert, Born or or Borden or Angier? I'm going Borden on this one, and I. He, Borden has more of a knack of figuring out the trick. So when they first went to go, Cutter gave him a task. You know, who someone will get a prize if they tell me how that Asian, I forget, I forget his name, how he does the trick. Yeah. And Borden spotted it right away. He's like, yeah, I mean, he's living his act. And I think Borden is more conscious and aware of what it takes to be a great magician, where Angier is for a long time fighting it against himself, understanding what the sacrifice and what the commitment needs to be. And I think Angier is a little too foolish to see the trick. He's a little blinded by what we think is, you know, his desire to be famous and his desire to be the best. And don't get me wrong. Borden also wants to be the best, but I think he has a little bit more appreciation and knowledge for pure magic. So I'm, I'm going Borden on this one. I agree with you. I think Borden's a better magician. One, and first and foremost, the trick of the movie that they spend the entire film chasing is Borden's trick. Yep. Borden conceptualizes that trick, and then Angier tries to steal it, which he does, and they make a better version of it. So it's Borden's the genius here, I think. Yep. But also, as you just said, Angier, I think, is gets too fixated on the showmanship and being the star on stage. You know, when when the trick is successful, it's as you said, it's not enough. He needs to be there with the crowd chanting his name and, and clapping for him. Where Borden just wants to have the greatest trick in the world. Right. And that's it. But I think it does. There is an argument to be made here is what makes a better magician? Is it the actual trick or is it the showmanship? Is it the sell job? Is it is it the, the prestige at the end? And Borden is not really good at that. No, and, I think, and they allude to it multiple times. So I think there is an argument to be made for Angier. Oh, there there absolutely is. Uh, I, I think we're both, we both agree that, though, in this case, the one who doesn't care about the limelight, the one who just wants to do the, the grittier work yeah. and to do a, an amazing job, to do his job, and he doesn't care about all the hoopla that comes along. Yeah, with we're it. we're meat and potatoes guys. Exactly. You know, let's just exactly. let's get the fundamentals out. <laughs> you know, like I mean, Borden is is Tim Duncan, but then you know James Harden is kind of like that Angier. You know, the, you're right. That's a wonderful like, comparison. Yeah, give me the Tim Duncan. We're we're in agreement there. Yeah, agreed. Borden's a better magician. Uh, what is the craziest magic trick performed in this movie? I only had one here, and it's it's actually the first one we see. It's Julia in the tank. I was like, are you? are you kidding me <laughs> she this this lady gets drowned almost every single night on this 
and she has to escape every time. And she's not the necessarily quote trained magician on this one. She's more of like the the second act on this one. Yeah. But it's kind of crazy. And then I was thinking about it as like this is kind of separate. But why is Angier not the one? If he loves her, tying the wrists. That's kind of the more important nut to tie. I think so. Yeah. yeah. But eh, whatever. It makes for a good movie. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'd say Julia drowning in the tank pretty much every single night. It's pretty good. I, as much as I like that one, I'm going with Angier's version of the transporting man at the end when he clones himself and kills himself with every single performance. Every time. It is so mind boggling that he does that. And over the they said he has like a hundred shows booked mm-hmm. so he's cloned himself and killed himself a hundred times and all for the sake of the trick and the trick is performed beautifully because he ends up on top of the balcony but it's the fact that he's dying every single time but also living every single time just it not only does it make my mind turn my mind into a, into a pretzel as into you say, a pretzel but uh i i think it's the craziest trick in this movie uh you can't argue with that yeah so take us into our next one. A character who we'd want to be friends with in real life. I have one. I have one as well. I bet we have the same one. Uh, I don't know if we do. I'm going to go. So I'm going Tesla. Ooh. Yeah, David okay. fucking Bowie. Wow, not me. Yeah, I mean, he's a fucking psycho. Don't get me wrong. He's nuts. But he's yeah. awesome. I mean, and he's a, he's a wise man. And plus, he's able to conduct electricity just by shaking your hand, which is phenomenal. That is so, pretty insane. Yeah, so I'm going Tesla. Wow, nice. I had Cutter. Michael okay. Kane. Yeah. I, you know, he's loyal. He's as honest as can be. He's just straight shoot guy. Um, he'll he'll tell you to fuck off if need be, but he's also going to be there to to support you along your endeavors the with prob- whatever you need. The problem I had with him was he got a little too deep. He got in too deep with both these guys. I feel like, and I kind of, you know, Michael Kane to me, I always think of him as like a voice of reason. Like he will never take a bad step anywhere. But he kind of did. I mean, he, he went a little too far with Angier. Didn't suspect how to find out how the trick was. And then he ultimately kind of let Borden get hanged in a way. I mean, I guess he didn't really find out. Maybe it was too late for him he to did, do anything. I, yeah, he but, found out at the end. But I guess he could have, like, rushed over and been like, hey, look at this guy. He's an innocent. But, yeah, I, 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 this is not a, a typical Michael Caine for me. Fair enough. Yeah. I, Michael Caine is also, I mean, obviously Tesla's a genius and a scientist, but Michael Caine's character as Cutter is the smartest guy in this movie. Right away, when Angier's talking about the transporting man trick that Borden pulled off, Cutter's like, he used the double. Yeah. And Angier's like, no, he wouldn't do it. <laughs> it's got to be more than it's that. It's got to be more than that. It's too complicated. He wouldn't use a double. <laughs> And he's like, he uses a bloody double. <laughs> a bloody double. And, and it's like, that's it. He uses a fucking double. Yeah. Just listen to him. The guy's been around the block one too many times. One too many times. Yes. So who's the biggest dick in this movie, Adam? Uh, Angier. It, it's really close for I, me. I agree with you. I mean, he ultimately fucking ruined this guy's life intentionally. Yeah. And took him away from his daughter. What a dick move. Like, Borden, you... He didn't purposely try to kill uh, Julia, right? I mean, it's. I don't he, think he, so. Well, he doesn't know what not he died. We'll get it. I mean, we'll, we'll get yeah, into we'll that. get in that one. But, but he, you know, it wasn't not intentional. At least we're we're led to believe that. But Angier has spent his whole life trying to ruin Borden's life. Yeah, and he also tries to rip off his trick. Uh, it's 
he's an asshole, this yeah. guy. He's, <laughs> he's a fucking Like, dick. I understand your wife was killed by accident. Yeah. And he's he believes that Borden did it purposely. And, he, yeah, he has his life goal to steal his tricks and to ruin this man's life. And also, that aside, he's such a dick to, to Olivia, too. Yeah, he is. He's such a douchebag, and she's so kind, and she's there for him, and she's supporting of him. And then he's like, I don't give a shit about us. I want you to go spy on him for me and, and, and totally fuck him over alongside yep. me. Dick. Borden at least tried to not be as selfish at times. It just came across selfish at times because he was with the other person's love or his twin brother's love. So he seemed like he cared more about magic, but he really did have compassion for for other individuals, which I, we don't really see from Angier at all. Not really. He's too selfish. He's too self-absorbed. Yep. All right, in agreement there, Angier, biggest asshole. Congratulations yes. to Hugh Jackman on that one. Nice, Hugh. This episode of Butterless Popcorn is brought to you by Todlich Funkeld, Germany's premier sparkling water brand. Sick and tired of traditional sparkling water flavors like lime, lemon, berry, or tangerine? And at the same time, have you always wanted to travel to Germany and eat their most beloved dishes? With Todlink Funkeld, you get the best of both worlds. Order now and you'll receive a three 30-packs of Todlink Funkeld's famous bratwurst, schnitzel, and Konigsberger Klubse flavored sparkling waters. You can order online at tfunkeld.com and use the promo code BUTTERLESS, that's B-U-T-T-E-R-LESS, the name of this podcast, for a discount. Order now for your trip to Germany through a can of sparkling water with Todlink Funkeld. We're going back to Michael Caine because we just can't get enough right, of Mike, Michael Caine. Big Mike. Is Michael Caine in the prestige essentially Alfred from the Batman series? I think you posed this question. I, I put no. I, I don't think he is. I see where you're. I, I see where you could say yes because you know he's kind of like the voice of reason in this. I actually think he's more like Victor Melling in Miss Congeniality. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? He's kind of... Are you going to keep chewing that masticated <laughs> cow in your mouth? He's he's uh, he's basically prepping someone for a show the entire time in Miss Congeniality. I mean, he knows the the darkness and in the pageantry, and he knows the darkness and, and the magic shows. And so he's... He's uh, he's more of the coach than the voice of reason in this one. So I, I put him I put him there in miscongeniality. I totally understand your point, and and I totally I, I do agree with with a lot of what you're saying, but at the same time, you know he's he's a men, he's a mentor to these two men, and in Batman he's a mentor to Bruce Wayne, and I think he kind of is a voice of reason in this. When they think, when both Borden, well, with more Angier, when he thinks of something crazy to do, he's like, no, like, shut up. Like, this is the way it is. That's, you know, you can't do that. And same as Alfred in Batman, when Bruce Wayne is getting on his high horse, Alfred's there to put him in his place. The similarities are there, but um, this is a topic that can be debated yeah. for a long time. No, I mean, I, I definitely see it. Michael Caine is perfect for the, the mentor, the coaching, the the voice of reason you can't have any other character do it so i see where nolan's going with it i see where you're going with that argument just think a little bit of miscongeniality in there as well i, I do love michael kane miscongeniality who's better michael kane miscongeniality or michael kane as austin powers father 
Oh, I forget about him He's being so awesome. good. Have an issue? Here's a tissue. Oh my god, Daddy! I, I, I Daddy, that was it's there? Michael Caine. He's so good in Austin Powers. Oh, I, I don't know. And he's such a dick, too, in that movie also. All right, that Man, aside. That's great. Uh, all right, next one here is, which actor would it be the fun to replace one of the stars in the movie? Brad, go ahead here. So I have I have two here, and I'll, I'll, I'll say the one that I want first. Colin Farrell as Angier. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, he's, good. He can play the handsome and charming role incredibly well, but he can also play a scumbag, too. Uh, I'm picturing like Colin Farrell from Phone Booth because that's exactly what I yeah, thought. What is, he's he's yeah. he's very handsome. He's a charming guy. He's cheating on his wife too, so he's got that. What a film, by the way. Guy to him. Really, good yeah. really good movie. Really good movie. Yeah, he could play the showman incredibly well, nice, um, but he, but he can be a huge dick and very self-absorbed. I think he'd be great at it. I like that. Uh, and then my second one, this might be a little out there. I put Johnny Depp as Borden. No. Yeah. Oh, God. Just because he, he could play a very mysterious guy, and he's weird. He's so fucking crazy, Johnny Depp. Yeah. And I... on, on the screen, I feel like he could play the double life. I actually feel like <clears throat> Depp, though, is more of a... I think he's his personality could be so out there that he'd be closer to Angier. I don't yeah. know. I don't know about a reserved Johnny Depp is is going to work. I, I mean, huh. I like how you're crossing Tim Burton and Chris Nolan, though. I mean, that's a little... <laughs> They're cousins. Their films are kind of cousins in a way. Interesting. So how would... If he was Borden, I'm assuming he would lose his fingers... Uh, with scissors as hands is that what, is that what it would be yes. he'd cut off his own fingers spot on yeah <laughs> uh okay that one's really out there yeah i mean my my if we had to pick one i would go with the colin farrell as angier take yeah i like that what uh I, I only have one and I, I i just watched joker but it's joaquin phoenix all right as uh robert angier and i for a couple reasons one is joaquin's ability to absorb himself in the role so much and to be able to show obsession, similar like he did in The Joker. I mean, right. I'm literally like thinking of The Joker when watching this and thinking of Joaquin Phoenix. But um, he can easily become self-absorbed and obsessive. And I think he he's able to – I think he'd be able to tune out all of the other noise around him and only focus on what's important to him. And that's putting on the best show and being the best performer. And so I would just want to see him kind of take it too far a little bit there. So. Sure. And his characters, when he's on screen, many of his characters totally get absorbed with whatever they're doing. Right. That's pretty good. So give me give me Joaquin Phoenix All right. There. I like that. Would this movie be better or worse with Leonardo DiCaprio in it, Adam? Tell me. Uh, and if so, what would his role be? So this is a, this is a Chris Nolan toss-up here. He is in Inception, and he's the lead actor in, in that Chris Nolan movie. I put worse. I, the problem that I have here is that... You know, I don't need someone who's going to put that confused face all day in the movie. I, you know, like if, if you imagine like Inception or like Shutter Island or anything like that, he's always got like that confused look on his face. Like the world's kind of he, he's trying to figure the world out. And I, I think he would bring that the entire movie. I only want to see that confusion that, you know, put your mind in a pretzel the last 30 minutes. So uh, I'm going worse with Leonardo DiCaprio in it. I also put worse. Really? Yeah. I A huge Leo fan. I love Leo. I just don't see a spot for him in this movie. Uh, 
maybe he could be Tesla instead of David Bowie, where he just kind of like has less than 10 minutes of screen Ooh. time, but he owns the screen when he's on it. I actually do like Leo in those like, you know, less screen time roles. Yeah. I, I think that would be good. He could okay. be good at that. But but overall, I just, he's he's too big of a star to be a side character, one. And his persona as an actor, you know, he sometimes has that like boyish charm to him, but then he also has this like sly sleekiness to him. Mm -hmm. And I don't think any of that fits in here. You know, he doesn't really play a, a huge douchebag in, in his films. He's not like an, an arrogant, self-absorbed piece of shit. Maybe in, in, in The Aviator, that's yeah. an exception. But um, I, I, don't, I don't really see a spot for him there. I don't see him as the big showman that Hugh Jackman is trying to be because he's kind of subtle in that way. But then I also don't really see him as this kind of blue-collar, working-class, like, yeah. gritty asshole that... Alfred Borden is. So I, I don't see him in this movie. I, Leo is is typically chasing someone or something. Right, we've talked he, about He's this. after yeah. something. Catch him if you can. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess that's where he's being chased. But he is trying <laughs> to, like, figure something out. But he doesn't he, – I think he's better where he doesn't really know what he's trying to get after. And he plays, like, a very good, like I, – I said it before, but the confused role. Right. So I, I, I agree with you there. Uh, so both think it would be worse with Leo in it. Who's who's the actor that you actually think would be the most annoying to work with in, in this? You put Jackman. I put Hugh Jackman. Well, why'd you say that? Really simple. I, you know, he's kind of he's a showman in general. He's been. I don't want to. You know, obviously made a movie called The Greatest Showman. <laughs> yeah. But like he in every movie he's in, he really takes over the screen and he is the presence. The, like the pompous, big presence conceited known. type yes, of. Yes, I think yeah. he's just kind of a prick. Is he like that in real life? That's, is that what you're saying? I, I would maybe kind of assume he's a lesser version of Robert Angier in real life. So, you know, during the lunch takes, I could see Bale <laughs> going off to him and be like, good set the... And, and Jackman's like, yeah, you know, I, I, I should have done better with this. And, and you even, you know, make, yeah. you know, make sure when you're tying the knot, you really make it tight and show <laughs> yeah, that you're Yeah, giving him coaching advice yeah. as he's going, yeah. Yeah. I, and like he's the better actor in all of this. Exactly. He feels like he's the best. Yeah. And Christian Bale has had a more successful career than. Jackman oh, absolutely. Too. So I think he'd be kind of a dick to work. Okay. With. I so when I was thinking of this question, I was thinking about it, and I was like, oh, it's got to be the root, the guy who you know, Angier is double. Yeah. And when I looked to go see who plays root, it's fucking Hugh Jackman. Oh, it's Hugh Jackman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so Hugh I was, Jackman. So I was like, fuck, I'm going Hugh Jackman as well. Yeah. I mean, he plays that drunken asshole. And I was like, oh, this guy's probably a dick in real life. And I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah, it's Hugh Jackman. Yeah. He is a dick in real life, yeah. We we are. I don't think we're really going to talk about Root on this pod. There's not a lot to say about him, but he is uh, a small, unsung hero of this movie, I think. He's, I don't know, when when they bring him in, it gets a little tricky, the plot. But I, I, I like his presence, and he's a drunk asshole, and he's constantly grabbing the women, and he, he's just a piece of shit, but... Uh, He's a former actor. So then when he goes on stage, he right. kills it. I, I don't know. I think he's a cool addition to the movie. No, I agree. And then he was turned. I mean, he's kind of like a, a pawn of, of Angiers that turns into a pawn of Borden. And it's it's lovely. I also think just now talking about that, I remember the scene. I didn't bring this up earlier, but I do think this is one of the best scenes was when um, Borden actually ends up coming up the lift in the, in the act. And he's like, oh. 
And he's like, you can check out my show at the Pantages across the street. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, I mean, that all starts because of Root, who's being pretty much turned in that movie. But that's a good scene, too. Where does Alfred Borden rank on the worst movie husbands of all time? He's pretty fucking bad. He's a terrible <laughs> husband. I mean, not only it's two people and he's pretending to be one person, which that by itself is you're deceiving your wife every single day. And I made a list of some of the shitty things he does to Sarah, his wife in this movie. So the first time they meet, they, they go out for tea or something, and then he walks her back to, his, to her apartment. He asks to come in. She doesn't even invite him in. He's yeah. just like, hey, <laughs> yeah. I, could, I, could really, I could really use some tea or something. She says no, and she goes in, and he's inside. He's like, cream or what? Yeah. <laughs> that, that is not very PC. That would not fly today. Total sicko. Uh, he clearly cheats she on her. She loves it, though. Yeah, she does like <laughs> yeah. it. She falls for it. He cheats on her with Olivia, obviously has a massive affair, lies to her 24-7. He is a terrible husband, but that said, he's not as bad as someone like Jack Torrance in The Shining, Jack Nicholson's character, where he literally tries to murder his wife with an axe. And yeah, I mean, son. that's... Um, so, but he's he's middle of the pack. I, he, he puts her on an emotional roller coaster the entire film, and he won't even see, just to protect his magic trick. So when he was going to do that uh, bullet catch trick, and she asked him how it was done, he's like, oh, Sarah, I can't tell you. And he's, like, not going to tell her. And she's like, you're putting your life on the line potentially, and you're not going to tell me how you do this trick. Then at the same time, you know, he's like, all right, fine, I'll tell you this trick. But he's still not giving away his greatest secret of all, which is that he's got a twin brother that poses as him. But, yeah, fucking asshole. And terrible husband. Terrible husband. Top five, probably worst husbands he of all time. He might be a top five, yeah. Yeah. So let's do some trivia now, shall we? Let's do it. I, I had three questions here. I'll just rattle them all off. I, you already got the first one, but I'll just ask it for the just sake ask of asking me, yeah. it. I mean, you, you already said the quote, but the three parts of a magic trick. Okay. So uh, you, yes, you, you know have what they the are. pledge, the turn, and the prestige. The prestige. <laughs> Great. What is the knot that Alfred insists will work? The Langford double. Oh, nice. That's one of my questions. Damn, okay. Yeah, when I was watching the movie, I was like, it's a great trivia question. It's a great (laughs) trivia question. And the last one, this is not incredibly hard. You'll probably get it, but what town is Tesla actually in? Uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Nice. That was one of my questions, too. Oh, man. All right, three for three. All right, so, well, then I have one question for you, sir. Oh, fuck. All right, here we go. Um, What is the keyword that decodes Borden's diary? Tesla. All right. All right. Oh, man. We We were both three for three. Yeah, I think maybe we were too easy. I think that was too easy. Could have gone a little deeper, maybe. All right, next time you're screwed, man. Yeah, seriously. Um, So, plot what ifs. What do you got? So, I got a handful here. Um, the first one I kind of touched on a little bit. I don't even know if this is possible, but what if Cutter had found out about Lord Caldwell a little bit sooner and turned him in before Borden was hanged? Do you think he would have done that? That's, I don't know. That's a good question because Cutter is like a, you know, protect magic at all costs, protect the trick that he owns at all costs. But is this a little bit too far? I think- yeah, I, I mean, when when Cutter finds out that Angier is Lord Caldwell, he freaks. So a part of me says yes, he would turn him in to save to half, save Borden. to save one of one or of two Borden's of Borden. life. Yeah. I think he would have. I think I, 
think he's a good man. I think so. But then there was a little bit where he does discover, where Cutter does discover that Lord Caldo is Angier. And he's definitely surprised. But to me, there's a little bit of like, I had a slight suspicion. I, I don't know sure. if I... It was weird. It was like, it is you, kind of. It was, that's what Cutter says. So it's almost as if he, he kind of knows. And so it might be a tough decision for him. But I think in the end, he, he would. He would try to yeah. undo the wrong. And, and I, I mean, in the, in, in the end, he does try to undo the wrong. Because he sets Angier up to die. Right. And he ultimately brings Borden's daughter back to. Right. If we don't even know if it's her father or her uncle. But the final, yeah, we don't. Yeah, but no, he does try to make it right at the end. Like, what the fuck was Andrew going to do with that little girl? Yeah. <laughs> like, he was born and daughter. fucked up. fucked up. Yeah. That is fucked up. He's like, so you need someone to take care of her, watch after her. What the fuck? Not you, dude. I what? know. It's you so killed random. her father. Like, you destroyed her family. Yeah. Prick. Asshole. Uh, the next one here is, what if Borden told Sarah all about his trick? So the whole time, I mean, he, he he trusts her, and that she's the one that he tells that he has a, a bloody double. What if what a if he does? Oh, it's a bloody double. What if he what if he does tell her? I don't think she spills the beans or anything. No, but do you think she do you think she's able to live with him like that, knowing that there's two? Is it is it easier for her? No, she's gone. She's still gone. She still she's kills gone. I mean, herself. that's the reason she kills herself. Like I think she leaves him. But then, put, put yourself in her shoes. Yeah, I, I would too. She's like, who the, who the fucking child did I have? What who if she the, then goes like, to Angira though? Oh, oh fuck! <laughs> pretzel. <laughs> yeah, but not, pretzel. Not a fucking pretzel. Oh, not a man. Giant pretzel. Yeah, here. I think she leaves him. Okay. I, I got uh, I got two more here. I'll just oh, I'll just rattle, rattle them off. Do it. Do it. Um, what if Angira didn't drown himself in the last show? And there were just two of them that lived happily ever after. Oof. Um, so he, he didn't like frame Borden at all or whatever. He just, just that's it. Just two of them. He, I, yeah, I guess one, I of, one, one of them is probably still doing magic. And well, I mean, they would both be doing magic because that's the thing. When it, when you're a clone, when you have a clone, it's the same exact person. So yeah. your brain operates in the same exact way. I think that could get deadly. Yeah. Why not? I want to see it. Right. Like, Angier would be fighting against Angier to be the best magician. Oh, baby. Yeah, you can't let the other one win. It's, oh, that's man. good. That's pretty good. And the last one here is very similar to what we were just talking about. But what if Angier was the one with the double? So, like, not the cloning piece, but, like, Angier had the double the whole time. I think you kind of just alluded to it. So, if basically their roles were flipped, but their their uh, mindset and their character and their characteristics were were still the same. I it, I think it would turn into the two Angiers fighting each other for yeah I don't know if they'd be good with switching off one and one. Borden I think had a little bit more selflessness where he was allowed to well or they were allowed to to take the take the bow one after another. So are we talking? Are we saying this uh, if Angier had the double instead of Borden? Exactly instead of Borden. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I, I think if if the character of Angier is still the same, where he's just so hungry for the showmanship and wants to be the star, then they'd both probably want it. But then what about Borden, though? Would he just kind of tip his hat and say, this guy's got the better trick? That's 
really tough. Or would Borden want to be in that? Would Borden mm. want that showmanship? I think he probably would. Maybe. Because it would be him and him alone. Yeah. It's tough. I don't know. Maybe he gets the machine. Maybe he sees Tesla. Wow. That, it's all yeah, reverse I mean, the course. Are flipped. Yeah. Um, that's a great segue into my first what if. What if Tesla's machine for Angier doesn't work? It just never works. Doesn't clone. It just doesn't. Like nothing actually works. What does Angier do? I, what happens? He doesn't give up. He can't give up. I don't know. He'd have to think of something. He'd have to stick with the double, I guess. But there's he, he would probably work endlessly and tirelessly, I guess, to make Root the guy who's able to set up the act somehow. So that way Angier can take the bow right. on the stage. That's the, only, that's the only thing I can think of. I don't know. I mean, outside of pure wizardry, as they allude to. Sure. Think there's any way that uh, Angier can be happy? Yeah, I mean, he certainly doesn't give up. I agree with you on that because he is hungry to be the best. He won't die until he is. Right. So my second what if is what if the other Borden brother doesn't want to cut his fingers off? And he's like, fuck this, man. Like, you lost your two fingers. I'm not cutting my fingers off. What happens? Is their career over? Like, do they lose all hope? Or can they get by with one of them having to well the trick was working with one of them having a hand because they were both wearing gloves at some point and olivia is actually the one that spotted it and said your trick can be even better if you both cut your basically if you both cut your finger because that is something where you can't say it's a double you both have that part of your hand missing so i think it would still work but at some point i think you know, as they do try to get better and and competitive against one another, it would be difficult because if if they keep wearing the gloves, there's something missing and there's something that can make it better. And I think it's very difficult for Borden to accept the fact that his trick is not perfect. So I think it, I think it would be tough for him. That's pretty good. Wait, so I I think I may have missed something in the movie that you just noted. So does a is a does Olivia know about the double? She knows it's a double. She does know it. Okay, she does know it's. But a double. I don't know if she knows that it's Borden and Borden. She just thinks it's another double. I, I'm not sure. I don't know if that's actually alluded to. But she does say when she first goes, not not when she first, but when she goes to Borden, and when she's talking about, um, yeah, she's talking to Borden about the gloves, and she's like, you know, it would be more powerful if he took the gloves off because of because of the fingers so she knows to some extent i don't know how much she knows about whether whether they're actually playing each other's lives but she does say later in the movie that sarah tried to contact her the day before she killed herself to tell her what borden is yeah and she says i wonder what she would have said and so that makes me think that she doesn't actually know that there's two Bordens. She totally doesn't. But I yeah. think she knows that there's some kind of double. So you I think th- for the trick, you think she thought that there was a double. Well, I think she knew it because she did say, uh, well, sorry. There was that scene with Cutter and Angier, right? Where she's, where Angier is saying it's not a double. It's, it's something more than that. Yeah. And she says it's not. She agrees with Angier, yeah. Because, he, because of the glove. So either she understands that like it's a yeah maybe maybe she does know there's I a know. twin when I, I yeah when I was watching that scene and it's a really great one too when she's talking to Borden about the glove my take from that was she was like you have 
this deformity with your hand, you're missing two fingers, don't wear the gloves because then you can really show people that like you're that it's you. Like it's not a noble. Right. right. I don't think, yeah, maybe she, I, I don't know. I was thinking that because of that scene where she says she agrees with Angier, like I don't think she thinks it's a double. I think she's just saying that for him to really separate himself. But maybe she, I don't know, maybe she does. Yeah, I don't know. This episode of Butterless Popcorn is brought to you by Petcums, the furriest vacuums you could ever ask for. Have you always wanted a furry friend for around the house, but your significant other is either allergic or just isn't on the same page? With Petcums, the only vacuums that look and act like house pets, you can have the joy of a pet that also cleans your floors. You can select your pet cum in any dog or cat breed up to 30 pounds, and they even come with five sets of rechargeable batteries. Get ready to snuggle up on the couch with your new best friend, and then have them clean the floors after you've cooked dinner. Go to PetCumes.com and use the hashtag Butterless, that's B-U-T-T-E-R-L-E-S-S, the name of this podcast, for your first discounted best friend and cleaning service. PetCumes, the best of both worlds. If you were to take one scene from The Prestige and turn it into a musical, what scene would that be? I love this question. This one I'm That's going right. with when it's just any of the any of the the scenes where uh, Angier is doing the the new transported man and it starts out with what you're about to see is considered safe. <laughs> It starts going into music and song there. All right. And then Root comes up, and he comes up and just puts on a fucking show. I mean, he is the actor. Root's the actor, and so he just puts on a full musical after. So it's safe. (laughs) What you're about to see is considered (laughs) safe. And then he just comes up, and he just starts dancing and singing along the whole time. And then do they do the trick while they're singing? Well, he comes up and then, like, grabs the hat. He's just jumping around with, like, a cane, and he's just doing, like, the Mr. Peanut type of, type of dance out there. Yeah. Nice. That's it. I like that. <laughs> um, I had the end where just everything unfolds in the story unravels because, um, I don't know, I, I picture them being able to, like, sing, like, what has happened, like, with Border being like, I am a double, <laughs> this two of me. I lied to you and you fell for it. I don't know, something Wait, like that. Wait, is this that. in the prison or where is this? At the end. Like, I'm picturing when Borden shoots oh, Angier at the end. Oh, and they're talking to one another. And he's telling what happened. And Angier's like, a brother. Like, a brother. A twin <laughs> yeah. brother. A brother. It was a brother. So the same exact scene, just they're singing it. Is yeah, well, I don't, but then, like, also, like, some sort of dancing or nice. something in there. And then... When they like show that it's a brother, like Fallon can come out on stage dancing and rip off the makeup and be like, "There's two of us. There's two of us." I don't know, something like that. Oh, that's good. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So moving on to a little bit more serious note here. There we go. You got to place this movie in the eyes of another character and describe the plot. Go. Olivia, Scarlett Johansson. She's had a up, rough upbringing from the wrong side of the tracks. She can't even afford a place to live when she's in London. That's why she's living. Yeah, she's sleeping she's at She's sleeping the... in, like, the studio that yeah. they work in. Uh, and she... I'm getting a little little creative here. She Her past life... She, in her past life, she was a prostitute. Whoa! She meets Cutter. And okay. A, and, a, and a Cutter who really has no one in his life, he's got no family, goes and buys himself a prostitute one night, and it is Olivia. And they actually start talking, and they don't sleep together. And 
she starts telling him about her that life. That would be a cutter just to talk. Yeah. Michael Caine. Cutter, yeah. He's not going to take advantage. He's just going to talk to her. Exactly. He wants to rent a prostitute just for the conversation. <laughs> um, he doesn't care about the intercourse at all. And they start chatting, and he and she's like, you know, I, this is this is me. This is my life. And he's like, I have a job for you. I can put you somewhere. And she agrees to be Andrew's assistant, and in return, Cutter gives her a place to live. And she falls in love with Andrew in the process. But then the tables turn when he asks her to go work for Borden. She falls in love with Borden. And eventually, at the end, she realizes the two of them are fucking animals. And she's grown from the whole experience and can move on to something else with all this wisdom that she gained. Oh, I like it. I like that a lot, actually. That's a good. Thank I mean, because she's. I spent a whole forty-four seconds thinking of it. Good. <laughs> she's kind of, uh, you know, caught in the middle, just like Sarah was that we were just talking about. So to to see her life kind of flip flop back and forth, I think that'd be good. Speaking of which, I mean, no surprise here, but mine is actually Sarah is is the Alrighty, one where we put the. It. So she wakes up every morning, and she's not really sure who she's married to. Is this the father of her child, or is this a man who's just obsessed with her work? She has to figure that out every single morning. And she goes to bed at night, and she doesn't know whether the next day she's essentially going to be a single mother and whether the father or her husband is actually going to be there. And so she has to wrestle with that every single night. And obviously, it ultimately eats her up inside, and she has to take her own life because of it. So That's dark. Yeah, it gets really dark, but... I think it. I think it'd be a good one. I like it. Sarah doesn't get enough attention in this movie. I don't think. No, she's phenomenal. She's really good. Yeah. Yeah, she's really good. Even in the first scene when, uh, when, uh, Borden sees her with her nephew, right? And then in the scene when you know he he does the trick and ends up in her apartment. She's really good in every scene, and she plays the tormented wife really well. I, uh, I would like to see her demise a bit more. Yep. I'm with you. I mean, there's a couple scenes that come to mind when she's like, she starts to drink a little bit more, she does. which That's you see. That's a good one, yeah. And I think it starts when they're at dinner, and she's like, Freddy. Freddy. <laughs> it's, it's, that's my name. Yeah. Uh, not at home. Yeah, and then uh, she starts drinking later, actually. I forgot what it when it was, but they're home, and she takes this, like, orange or pink-looking punch drink or whatever, and she's talking about how she needs a voice for herself as well. And so I I think – I agree. I think they could play that out a little bit more. I think so, too. And what a, what a move to hang herself in her husband's – not lab, but his, his work zone, yeah. his workshop area. Like, why not just do it at home? Well, that's like, – well, I think that's that's crushing. kind of the symbol, though, is that magic one, like yeah. magic one over me, and right. so I'm going to do it in your studio – but to imagine coming home to that, or not coming home to that, but going into your studio and seeing that, God. and you've got, you know, you've got the two things that you love, or one of you loves, but the two things that you love, and one of them is taken away from you inside, you know, the the setting of the other thing that you love, which so is magic. Is, so this is Inception, right? It is. It is, <laughs> it is Inception. Chris Nolan does it again. It is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Wait, so. Leo! Yeah. Oh, fuck no. Brad, if you could redo the movie in a different genre, though, what genre would you choose and why? Slapstick, really stupid comedy. Wow. All yeah. right. So think Step Brothers, like specifically the first like 40 <laughs> minutes of Step Brothers, where they hate each other. 
and they are rivals. Is Arch that Nemesis. Angira and Borden? That's Angira and Borden. So the plot kind of remains the same, but it's funny. So Angira and Borden, like in the movie, they start off as, as partners slash kind of friends. They're working for the same guy. And as the movie unfolds, they become enemies whose sole goal is to demolish the other, as it is in the movie. And But like the shit that they pull is just like so outlandish and silly and ridiculous um okay I like kind that. of the same way in Step Brothers when Will Ferrell and John C. Riley are like you know when Will Ferrell is putting his nuts on on, on Riley's drums right. and like stuff really stupid ridiculous it's more petty but it's the same same yeah. kind of concept and, and, there, and, yeah. and it's funny and then Michael Caine's character as Cutter could just be like the frustrated middleman in between <laughs> the dad yeah <laughs> yeah something like that I, I, yeah it's, it's keeping the plot the same but making it so outlandish oh, and ridiculous clever. as a slapstick I, I like that a lot I, I honestly I think that's better than mine what about yours <laughs> but mine's pretty fucking weird but it turns into a zombie movie oh <laughs> and all it. of the dead Angiers come to life <laughs> just <laughs> to just haunt everyone it it, it it makes no sense. So honestly. is the movie the same until like the last fifteen minutes? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and then it just turns like into Zombie Land with like Bill fucking Murray. Does but... Bill Murray appear in this movie? No, God, no. You okay, can't have good. that. But yeah. you do have like by over a hundred. Well, yeah, you get about a hundred Angiers in the movie. So I, yeah, I mean, they just go and take over and they perform numerous magic tricks, but end up uh, eating other people. Right on. Yeah, I like I like yours better. I think I, I'll put my hand up on yeah, that. Thanks. Yeah, okay. If you could change one thing about the prestige item, what would it be? I actually have two because okay. we were just talking about one of them. But real quick, more of Sarah's life. We were just talking about that. Yeah. I think we need a little bit more of that. She's great. Uh, the other thing was kind of <sighs> kind of nitpicky for me, but I would shorten the scene just a tad of Angier dying. It's very good dialogue between the two. I kind of felt it dragged on a little bit. It got a little cheesy, like, because he was dying the whole time. Um, yeah, you get shot in the chest. You're dead usually within, like, yeah, it was a, a little bit. couple minutes most. And I think there needed to be, like, I, it was really powerful when he was talking about how, like, you don't get it. It was all about the, the look on the faces of the people in the crowd and discovering the self-sacrifice and the sacrifice that Borden had. I just thought the, the, the scene itself took a little bit too long and i was just like all right it's a little cheesy a little too much sure but it's very nitpicky movie's obviously phenomenal so i wouldn't really change much okay so i also had that bit about sarah that we discussed show showing more of her character and also I, I hate to bring him up again but the fact that cutter in my opinion is too similar to alfred from batman like make him a little different you know at least if you're gonna have his personality be the same give him a makeup job have him have wear like a brown wig and like have him <laughs> yeah. like have a long gray beard or something have him even appear different not only do the characters look the exact same and dress the exact same yeah that's true like their characters are so similar you know maybe have them act differently too have them be like an asshole like kind of abusive to the two men you know like really shame them something the characters are so similar in my opinion i you know add some variety there nolan so how how far apart was batman begins to the prestige i oh man i don't know should we look this up right now yeah so batman begins do this um, look it up was actually that was made in 2005 okay and this was 2006 so oh wow a year like, so not only so Michael Caine probably didn't even need to study his No, lines. he didn't even <laughs> leave the studio or take off the damn costume. He was like, uh, I got it. Alfred, <laughs> but my name is Kata. He's like, yeah. That, it, I, just I, think I, the, I just think the characters are too similar to the point where, like, 
I, I know you said it, you think it's a little different, but the fact that we're having this conversation about it, yeah, it, you know. Well, I I think it's more so of like when you think about Michael Caine's recent roles, or his or sorry, his Chris Nolan roles, really. In a vacuum, they are very similar to one another. Um, so I, I, you know, I'll give you that. I just I, I I see a little bit more differences than I think you do. But yeah, there's it, it definitely not hard for Michael Caine to to transition over into this film. So I and, and I it shows. So at all, yeah. I think that's fair. Brett Mount Rushmore here. We've done this with with every show here. This we we name category. a name a few actors and and you know, directors or cast members. Does it make the Mount Rushmore for any of these guys? Christian Bale, Hugh Jackman, Chris Nolan. Sure. So, so, um, before I get into my Mount Rushmores, I got to say, I think I, I have incorrectly approached this category in the past when we've done it. Uh, I'd like to say, for example, when we did Stephen King's catch me, if you can, I would like to call myself out. I said that Schindler's list was not on Steven, Steven Spielberg's Mount Rushmore. I guess I was going off of more of what I enjoyed the most. Um, but no, I guess Mount Rushmore is what is their best the performance work? and their the performance work. Performance yes. and their work. So I need to I need to approach that more objectively, which I did for this. Good. Uh, wait, so, so is Schindler's big list back on the list? It's, it's, or is... it's on Spielberg's list. Okay, good. Yes. Um, so for Christian Bale, I have it on there. I think it's some of his best work to date. I have it above all the Batman films. Um, he he's good in Batman. But he, I think he really steps outside with this. And so I, I have it on there with uh, American Psycho, The Fighter, which he won the Academy Award for, playing Mickey Ward's brother and trainer, and then uh, The Machinist. Never saw that. Yeah, so he, it's, it's one of his more famous ones. Have you ever seen like any gifs of him where he's insanely skinny? I, no, I don't think so. No, that's it. Okay. Uh, so... That movie's really intense as well. And I gave an honorary mention to American Hustle. Okay. He's very good. In. Um, so yeah, American he, Psycho and Hustle, huh? American Psycho is, is probably my favorite Christian Bale role. He's nuts in that movie. Also a crazy turn. But, yeah, he, he's good in the, in the Batman films and in Batman Begins. Um, but especially once the Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises come, Heath Ledger outshines him. Yep. And, quite frankly, I think Gary Oldman is better than Christian Bale in those movies, too. I think that's fair. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I—, I the Prestige makes my, my Christian Bale Mount Rushmore. So you do have – I also have Bale in the Mount Rushmore yeah. as well. I think the only one – the only movie that you didn't mention, it's actually a pretty recent movie, but Vice. I, I didn't see Vice. I, yeah, he he was really good as Dick Cheney, I thought. And, um, you know, I think always a good – Christian Bale hadn't played a role like Vice before that I was familiar with, and I was just really impressed with his work there. But – um, I, I mean, in in the Prestige, he he essentially plays a few different characters, which is big, which yeah. is That's which really is difficult. really impressive. So, um, but without you knowing that they're different characters, it's just it's it's really good work. So I I got him in there as well. The next one was Hugh Jackman on the list here. It's it's interesting because both of these actors play you know superheroes right. or, or part of the um, part of those movies. Jackman playing X-Men. I, I realize I actually haven't seen a lot of Hugh Jackman films. You brought up The Greatest Showman. I haven't seen that. Uh, but I put Hugh Jackman in here, yes, because, again, he plays two different roles. I, I didn't realize he played Root, which is phenomenal, but he also plays someone very troubled um, 
and is looking for satisfaction the whole time, and he does such a good job at it. So I'm I'm throwing that in there. I I also put on on Hugh Jackman's Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. So I I love him in in Logan, where he it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah he's phenomenal there. Uh, Prisoners. Have you seen that movie with him and Jake Gyllenhaal? No. Where uh, his his young daughter goes missing and no one knows what happened, and Jake Gyllenhaal's the cop. Uh, it's got a Zodiac vibe to it, uh, kind of a David Fincher vibe to it. It's that's a great movie. He's really good in it. Um, I personally haven't seen this, but I don't remember if he was may have been nominated for an Oscar for it for Les Misérables, yep. which came out a few years ago. Uh, people praised him for that, so putting that on there. And yes, I did the same. I'm yeah. putting the prestige on there too. He's he's really good in this movie. I'm and I, I'm not the biggest Hugh Jackman fan, and like you, I haven't seen most of his filmography, but he, he's really good. And as you just said, he plays multiple characters, which is really difficult. So, so we're, we're both two for two here. We both got him on our Mount Rushmore, and the last one that we have here, which I think might be a little bit more difficult for us, yeah. is Christopher Nolan. Do you have him on the Mount Rushmore? I don't. You don't. I don't. I mean, I'm biased because The Prestige is one of my favorite Chris Nolan movies, maybe my favorite Chris Nolan movie. But if I'm thinking of, you know, what's on the mountain of Chris Nolan movies, you got to have The Dark Knight. You got to have Inception. You got to have Memento. And I think you got to have Interstellar. So the first three that you just mentioned were, I actually have not seen Interstellar. I'm not gonna, I mean, that's that's something I hate to admit. Uh, I, I you can leave. I, I have get, not get seen Interstellar. I'm a new podcast host. <laughs> yeah, but I episode. but I did. So I actually put him on the Mount Rushmore because in that order, actually. Well, actually, I said Dark Knight, Memento, Inception, and then Prestige actually gets it on there. So maybe I need to watch Interstellar and then you know get back to you on this one. But for now, it's sneaking in there in the top four. I, I also would put dunkirk over the prestige really oh i was i was really wondering if you were gonna put that on why (laughs) it's 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 a technical achievement that movie the the sound editing and the sound mixing and the score and um it like trying to think objectively i i liked it it was good uh it's 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 one of those war films where you know it's a bunch of unknown actors plus harry styles um (laughs) but like i it's more technically sound than The Prestige. That movie is a bigger accomplishment for Christopher Nolan than The Prestige. I completely understand the technical aspect to it. I think the the thing that I ultimately didn't like about this in terms of Chris Nolan work <clears throat> is that it was linear, and typically a Christopher Nolan movie is not linear right. at all. Um, there's many twists and turns, but there's flashbacks and... Um, a lot of um, setting changes that occur, and this didn't have it. Dunkirk didn't have it. No, um, I no. mean it didn't. It didn't have a setting change, and I think I think you are discounting a little bit, like of the unbelievable dialogue and um, human interaction that is in it. I mean, I know that's kind of the point of Dunkirk is to keep that in a minimal, but no, there, no, there, it, it is good. Yeah, no, there, there's a lot of that in there. But so I, I, yeah, and that was my honorary mention. Okay, so as again, long as you don't have it over the prestige, I think I'm, I'm okay with that. Well, I, because well, so I don't know. I, but they're I, both out. They're right? both so, out. So yeah. yeah, my four was again: Dark Knight, Inception, Interstellar, Memento. All right. Well, we agree on most of them. We agree on most of them. So. Final question here. What's the most memorable thing about this movie? We've gone through a lot on this one, but I think at the end of the day, it's sacrifice versus obsession is the only only thing I put on here is how much are you willing to sacrifice of your own life 
um, of your own marriage, of your own fatherhood, to chase an obsession to you that uh, is really the only thing that you think will give you happiness in life. And so seeing both of these characters wrestle with that and really ultimately both lose in the end is typically in the movie, you know, there's some kind of happy ending or there's some, some kind of coming of age story. This was two two people that were obsessed, sacrificed too much, and still lost in the end. And I think that's something big to take away. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, addiction, I think, is what that would be called. They're both addicted to being the best and beating the other person, and they throw everything else aside. Um, and they don't even, like, quit and relapse. They just go the whole time. Like, be, performing the transporting man is their drug. And, like, they just, you know... They Each never, they never lose it. Other. They never, they never lose it. So that's pretty insane. I also think the twists and turns are pretty epic and pretty memorable in this movie. Um, as I, I think we said earlier, a lot of Christopher Nolan films have like the big twist at the end. This has like five twists yeah, during, like during the course of the movie that just like knock you on your ass like multiple times. And I think that's something super memorable about this as well. You're just sitting there with your jaw to the floor. I was just going to say that exact term. I didn't see that coming. And again, it's not just once. It's frequently throughout the film, which is not very common. Yep. Every time you watch it, you pick up something new, and it's like, holy shit. I didn't even realize. Yeah. This is an awesome movie. I'm happy we were able to cover it. Any other additions, Adam? Nothing. Go out and watch it if you haven't already. All right. Listen to Butterless Popcorn next time. Thanks, y'all.